This is Pastor Joseph Davis. Thank you for joining the radio ministry of Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. We believe the Word of God is the lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. This Word will bless you right now. I want to preach this message today on this Resurrection Sunday. And now because of the praise, I won't have to preach as long. Amen. Amen. Acts the third chapter. And we'll discover this text together. But Acts the third chapter is where I'll begin. And I want to preach from the title, from the from the title, Tell Your Neighbor, Living Proof of the Resurrection. And I want you to add something to it that I didn't put in the title, but tell that neighbor, I am living proof of the resurrection. Yeah, on today, which is recognized as Resurrection Sunday. Um, I think it's important to preach the historical aspects and events surrounding the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't need us to get lost in some of the technicalities of today, which is, um, is this really the day he rose from the grave? Well, the calendar each year lets us know that today is really not the day. Because if you search the calendar, sometime Easter is in March. And then sometime Easter is in April. So we can get over the technicalities to, today. I think we'll be okay to understand that today is not actually the real day he rose from the grave. Are we okay? I hope I hadn't called you to lose faith because you've been growing up and they told you every time it show up on the calendar, that's the real day. Tell them that's just the day we celebrate. All right, I don't want you to get caught up on that because the most important thing is that he was born and he was buried. He died, died, buried, and now he's resurrected. That's the main part. Don't get caught up in the technicalities because sometimes people don't celebrate because they are concerned about the technicalities. Uh, if you are a student and a scholar of the Word of God, you understand that there even is great debate that if when what day he actually died. Uh, some there's great debate. Some believe he did not die on Good Friday. Some scholars believe he died sometime Thursday. Some even believe he died sometime Wednesday. Even one scholar, one preacher recently said the math ain't mathing when you add up three days. But it, more study is needed if you want to get into the technicalities. You got to study the Jewish calendar. You got to study the Jewish time. And you cannot be using the modern day 24 hours to understand three days and three nights. But if you can get over the technicalities today, I think we got a good reason to celebrate. Come on, I think we tell someone, I think we still got a good reason to celebrate. Yeah, I think we have a good reason to celebrate. And it's just like uh, God that he would never even use the sacrifice of his son, the ultimate sacrifice of a holy and innocent man done no wrong Pilate when he did the trial with Jesus he said I find no harm in the man but God would not dare allow a innocent lamb of Jesus Christ to go through what he went through without having a bigger picture in mind so I believe today is important to wrap the resurrection into a type of deliverance that God will help us understand what he's doing Acts the third chapter is where we'll begin our reading. Follow me as I read and teach with you today. 
Acts the third chapter is picking up after Jesus has already been resurrected and he has already ascended back to the right hand of the Father. But something is spurring with the people of God or the New Testament church here that I think blesses us here on Resurrection Sunday. It says now, Peter verse 1, Peter and John went up together, everybody say together, together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour being the ninth hour is Peter and John this dynamic duo is actually walking together in fellowship and most times Peter did not normally always walk with John but recently Peter and John were part of the two disciples who had an encounter at the tomb uh, they came to the tomb and uh, Peter went and singing inside the tomb and looked and said, oh my God, he is not here. One of the great fascinating things about Jesus rising from the grave is when they went to look in the tomb, he was wrapped in linen cloth, had a napkin about his face. The Bible describes that when they went and looked in the tomb, he was not there, but he had neatly folded the napkin. What kind of professional getting up person is this who's in the grave dead and when it's time for resurrection he says oh that time is over removes the napkin remove the linen cloth folds it neatly and put it in the corner as if the maid has come in the hotel room and cleaned up the mess what kind of professional deliverer is this that when he does a thing it's perfect Peter and John are the two who see that account. It says Peter runs in there and check it out. He tells John and John outruns Peter and looks inside the tomb and for surety he is not there. He is risen from the dead. Peter and John are now walking together and they're going to the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. It is important for us not to overlook verse one because it means everything to everything that's about to take place in the next few seconds. This hour of prayer, the people of God had set three times a day that they would pray. They had a, 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 a morning time, an evening time, all right, and an afternoon time. Three times a day, they will have the sacrifice of God. It was a time of sacrificing praise and sacrificing offerings to God, and they had a daily sacrifice. And so, this hour of prayer in general was nothing new to them. The temple always had three times of prayer each day. But there is more significance to this ninth hour of prayer. This ninth hour of prayer corresponds to the exact time Jesus is on the cross and gave up his life. The Bible says that Jesus' crucifixion started around noon by the time they hung on the cross. But around 3 p.m., which is the ninth hour of the day, is when Jesus gave up the ghost where he said, Eli, Eli, Ashabarbathani, my God, why have thou forsaken me? It's the time as well when the, the veil of the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. Do y'all understand? Have you ever read your Bible? Uh, what happened when Jesus 
Jesus was on the cross. Can I just park a second to remind you what happened? It was dark in the middle of the day. It was 3 p.m. and it was dark in the middle of the day. And while he was on the cross, things were start to happen. People were mocking him and saying, crucify him. And he didn't say much words. He only said about seven last words he had to say when he was on the cross. But while he took that crucifixion and took that brutal death, he finally said, Father, I commit my hand, my spirit into thy hands. And he took his last breath and gave up the ghost. It happened at the ninth hour. Say the ninth hour. And you're not going to understand what happens next if you don't pay attention to what time it is. Uh, one of the things that must happen for people who are going to walk in extraordinary, I feel the Holy Ghost pushing me, y'all. If you're going to walk in extraordinary, extraordinary miracles in extraordinary life, how many want an ordinary life? That's right. But your prayers is that God will do a supernatural thing in your life. But the important thing to move into supernatural, extraordinary things is you got to know what time it is. Many of us think time is based on how it looks. And I'm telling you, when he died, it was a good time. It was 3 p.m. It was dark in the middle of the day, but supernatural things happen in the dark. Many of us wait till the light is shining, and then we try to make moves when the light is shining, when God wants you to make moves in the dark. And when and you make moves in the dark, it's a sign that you can trust God when you can't trace God. It's a sign that you can hear God when you can't see God. And they are, Lord help me, this ninth hour represents a dark time, but tell them God was moving. It's the ninth hour of the day. It's 3 p.m. And they have a set time of prayer at 3 p.m. in the day. If your life is going to change, you're going to have to learn how to move when things are uncomfortable. You're going to have to learn how to make shifts when you are in pain. Or some of us are waiting until everything becomes good to make a change. And I'm telling you, you're going to miss your season. Oftentimes, your train comes while you're in pain. Your train shows up while you're contemplating giving up. And you got to know how to make moves when you're uncomfortable this is what the ninth hour teaches us and it's important because it's the hour of prayer it means we learn how to pray when we don't feel it we learn how to pray when we don't feel good no you're never going to have the life that God wants you to have until you learn how to pray when you're under pressure can I preach up in here just to help you understand Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane he's getting ready to get prepared to be sold into sold I'll say in slavery like like Joseph I'm being ty typology here but sold to the scribes who would kill him and the Bible says as they were getting ready to come and capture him he prayed the more the real test if you can cross the bridge of destiny is can you pray when you don't feel like it don't tell me how much you can pray when everything is good and the money is in the bank and your spouse is loving you and your children are behaving and everything is going well but I need to see some third day believers or some 3 p.m. believers or some ninth hour believers that say I'll pray when things are tough I'll pray when I don't understand I'll get in the place with God when everything is going crazy but one thing I won't allow to happen I won't let the devil keep me from praying I may be frustrated but I'll keep on praying I may not understand but I'll keep on praying this is what happens at the ninth hour in the day. <laughs>
prayer, they say I'm going to prayer because I know what time. Actually, do you know what time it is? Uh, if you don't know what time it is, you will miss the signals. If you don't know what time it is, they go to prayer at the ninth hour of the day. Some of y'all are wondering when you're gonna start wondering when you're gonna pray. You, you you say I can't pray right now. Oh yes, you can. Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I may not know what you're going through, but trust me, you can pray right now. And you ain't got to be deep, and you ain't got to be wonderful, and you ain't got to go to seminary and theological school. Sometimes all you got to say is Jesus. Y'all see what I'm saying? Sometimes Jesus will block an accident. Sometimes the word Jesus will bind the devil. All you got to say is, Lord, have mercy. You ain't got to have this rich vocabulary. Don't let the devil rob you from praying when you need it the most. Tell somebody, I feel like I need to pray right now. You got to know what time it is. It was the hour of prayer. Yeah, it was the hour of prayer being the ninth hour of the day. The ninth hour of the day. This ninth hour also is significant because it says when Jesus was on the cross and he gave up the ghost, this is one of my favorite parts to preach around this time of year. I love the spooky stuff. Yeah, so many, how many people here like sci-fi? And so I like that spooky stuff. It got spooky when Jesus was yeah, here. It got spooky when he was on the cross. Not only did it get dark, but y'all need to read your Bibles. The Bible says when he gave up the ghost, the veil of the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. Meaning something was being transferred while Jesus was on the cross. The veil represented there was a place in the Old Testament under the tabernacle where the priest would take a lamb. Lord help me to preach. And he would take a lamb without spot or wrinkle, lay it on the altar behind the veil. But when Jesus died and gave up the ghost, the veil that the priest was once behind got ripped from the top to the bottom in other words priests you can come on out of there because all of us can go in there something had happened on the cross that not only could the priest pray tell somebody I can pray not only could the priest go and talk to God but when the veil got rent from the top to the bottom it was full access for you and I tell your neighbor you can pray too yeah, you can pray too. The veil was rent from the top to the bottom. <laughs> yeah, tell somebody, you can go in there and talk to God. I feel like preaching up in here. Because <laughs> what the devil don't want you to know is that God hear your prayers. What the devil don't want you to know is when you lift your voice, he hears your cry. What the devil don't want you to know is that God loves you with an everlasting love. Tell that priest, come on out of there, your day is over. Tell I can pray to my, pray for myself. And a matter of fact, the Bible says we now have a high priest. <laughs> come on, I ain't got nothing. I, well, I'm praying for my Catholic brother. Some of y'all grew Catholic, I don't mean no harm. But I ain't got to go to no Catholic, confess nothing. Because he's going to have to go to the same Jesus that I've got to go to. It's no sense of me talking to him. I can go to God for myself. Come on out of there. Come on out of there, priest. Come on out. That veil being rent was his exit, but it was my entrance. Come on out of there. 
it's the power of prayer the ninth hour but spooky things happened at the ninth hour while he's on the cross and he gave up the ghost the bible says that the bodies of the saints you better read your bible it's in there it's in there it's in that bible it's in there it's in matthew 27 for y'all who don't believe matthew 27 verse 51 it says when he gave up the ghost it says the dead bodies of the saints got up out of the grave as if to say I know my redeemer lives he's somewhere in the building he's somewhere in the room I've been waiting on this day and it says the saints got up out of the grave and walked in the city tell somebody I feel redemption all in the room that's what the saints that were dead were feeling oh something done happened they were dead under the grave but the moment he goes oh, something happened Elijah tapped Elisha Jeremiah tapped Moses Rahab tapped another sister girl and say something happened something happened up in here I guess I'll get up and go see <laughs> say it happened at the ninth hour what I'm trying to tell you early on is don't let the devil stop you from praying right now I'm talking to somebody who's in so much trouble today but don't let the devil stop you from praying tell somebody say right now it was the ninth hour they are going to pray and while they're going to pray at the temple verse 2 helps us to understand that they got a situation he said, a certain man, lame, couldn't move, couldn't walk, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. So the gate was called beautiful. The entrance of the temple was called beautiful. The gate. Oh, God help me to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. I want you to understand that this, this man represents all of us. He was lame from birth. Telling your name, you look good today. But you were born lame. Oh yeah, you were born lame. I know it. You just put him up and let him down. I know it. Hopefully he hadn't lost a friend. Yeah, this man was born. Say so he was born this way. The Bible helps us to understand that this man represents us because we were born in sin. Amen. Shaping in iniquity. It wasn't our fault. I was born. Tell somebody I was born this way. Yeah, we have a whole world who gets all messed up about how you were born. Whole world getting messed up on how you were born. I, I want you to know I'm, I'm good today, but I was, I was born messed up. Oh yeah, nobody had to tell me uh, how to lie. I, I just knew how to do it. Amen. <laughs> Oh, I, I didn't go to no uh, Lion 101 class and graduate to Lion 102. There was something in me. Oh, already I was born into this type of situation. I know you cute today and you looking nice, but you was born with some stuff in you. You was born with some flesh in you. You was born with some sin already in your flesh. You was born with some conspicuousness and some wickedness. You were born with some wretchedness already in you. Oh, I know you're cute, but you was wretched. 
I know you're handsome, but you was a mess. I know, I know it. I know we dress up, put on cologne and perfume, but I want you to know I was born messed up. This man was born this way. They could not help him. Didn't know the remedy to his life. Didn't know how to unlock him from being lame. And so his friends decided that we're going to put him at the gate of the temple every day. And every day they put this man at the gate of the temple. I'm fascinated because they never brought him in the temple. Some parts of it bothers me that his friends thought enough of the church, enough of the people of God to bring him to the temple. At the front of the temple, the gate of the temple, but they never brought him in the temple. Now the first thing I want you to understand and I want you to understand, I want you to first understand that the church is not as bad as you make it think. We don't heard all these reasons why people think the church is so terrible. People have so many reasons why they don't go into the church. Because of this and because of that. But I want you to know that through scripture, they give you some little glimpse that the people behind the gate are not all that bad. The glimpse that we can easily see here is they put them at the front of the gate because they understand people who has been forgiven are given people. You ain't got it yet. I said people who have been forgiven are given people. It's the people who hold grudges who are stingy. It's the people who live in bitterness who don't know how to give love. But forgiving people are giving people. And they know if he has any chance of having any type of income and livelihood while they don't yet bring him inside the church, they know that the people of God are generous. Don't don't tell me nothing. I know people people who will give you their last I know people who will pray for you I know people who will sow into your life I know people who will write you a check and they are Christians and they are believers they are people who hate to see you going through and they know that the people going inside the gate are giving people because one of the tenets of being a believer is being a giver and hold up before you think I'm talking about money for a second and say he preacher done got me dressed he been waiting all year and he about to try to get a dollar but I'm holding this dollar hold your dollar I'm not talking about your dollar today we got more to give than just money we got more to offer than just what you got in your pocket I can give a hug and help your day I can give a smile and help you through your storm and if you get me real stirred up I'll pray for you and ain't no telling what God do I pray for you don't play the church people are some giving people and we got to make sure they got our reputation right they put them at the front of the gate because they know that church people are some giving people oh, don't play with me even the government knows that church people are giving people and that's why they are extra benevolent to the church that's why they have such things called the non-profit status that's why they have 501c3s and the church is already exempt through government why because the government knows that the greatest people to change the world are those who have been touched by the love of God 
See, y'all got it twisted. Y'all listening to what everybody else is saying, but the greatest benevolent community in the whole wide world is the church people. The greatest, yes it is, is the greatest church. It's the people who understand I've been forgiven. And because I've been forgiven, I want to help somebody else. Because if it wasn't for the Lord, I feel like preaching, who was on my side, I know where I was. See, real Christians remember. Tell somebody real Christians remember. Real Christians remember where they once were. Real Christians remember they ain't always have it like they have it. Real Christians remember when they were slipping and dipping and in sin and real Christians remember they weren't always where they are today. Real Christians remember if it ain't been the grace of God. Yeah. It helps to live with some memories y'all. I say it helps to live with some memories. Because the worst people who say to me who are Christian is people who forgot. Forgot they were jacked up two years ago. Don't tell me where you are today. Give me two minutes. I'm taking a detour. Don't tell me where you are today. Tell me where you was five years ago. When you was with the wrong person, sleeping with the wrong person, acting the wrong. Don't tell me how good you are today. I want to know where you come from. Tell me your story. You weren't always right. I said you weren't, you ain't been always right, but tell somebody, but God. Yeah, they bring him to the church. Bring him. Hey, shout out. I felt something. Sorry, guys. I may, I may cut up a few times. They kept saying, but God, I start thinking about my own self. It wasn't his fault he was in this condition. He was born this way. They put him there on the outside of the temple. Peter and John saw this situation as they're going into the temple, verse 3, who seen Peter and John about to go in the temple. He asked alms of them, benevolence, giving. Peter and John, he saw him. He said, hey, guys, can you mind helping a brother out? I'm down on my luck. I'm down on my situation. I need some help. Because anything he's learned to do, he learned to ask. Anything he learned to do, he learned to beg. He learned to request assistance based on the situation he was in. Verse 4 says, and Peter, fastening his eyes on him with John. They both looking at, at him. They said these key words. Look on us. Hmm. I think this is the turn of what's happening inside this temple that the people on the community don't understand about the people of God when they go to church. I think this key phrase, look on us, means everything because there are times we have to help you beyond money we got to help you beyond giving you physical things Peter and John says in other words don't look nowhere else maybe there have been people who passed by you and didn't give you anything maybe there have been people coming in and out of this temple and hadn't spoken to you maybe nobody really recognize you as a person and they're ignoring you and treating you just like the condition that you're in Maybe that's the case, but we're going to change the trajectory of the reputation of the church today. We're going to tell you to look on us. Everybody say, look on us. I believe one of the uh, signs that uh, Jesus is in our lives and the resurrection has happened to you and I is that we start telling people, look on us. 
meaning that I am a representative of a Christ that came into my life and changed me from the inside out this phrase look on us meaning I ain't got to hide from your problem I got a God that can solve your need look on us I believe this is what God is trying to even say to the church in this day and time we're not here to pass the buck we're here to be the church we're not here to make excuses we're here to be the church Peter and John tells this man look on us in other words we are people full of faith we are people full of faith I believe there has to come a time where we start talking to people who have just been church hurt and if you're not careful people who've been church hurt will stay in their hurt longer than necessary don't you understand you can be hurt longer than necessary oh yeah you may be hurt but why you ain't went to the doctor yet you can be hurt longer than necessary yes it happened but what have you done since that accident since that situation since that thing happened in your life and if we're not careful we got to make sure that we are facilitating people recovering from their church hurt recovering from what happened in their life and I might as well go ahead and say it church hurt ain't the only hurt that happened so we got to stop exalting like church hurt is the only hurt that happened some of y'all were hurt by your mama somebody were hurt by your daddy somebody was hurt by your friend or a spouse and we have, we have to be careful here because now we have made church hurt a psychological condition hallelujah and now people can't it's almost like people can't recover from church hurt they can recover from everything else Stella can get her groove back from everything else but when it comes time for church hurt we made church hurt the uncurable thing but tell the truth somebody you can recover from church hurt some of y'all are in here are witnesses that you can recover you ain't saying nothing that you can re- I'm a witness that you can recover from church hurt I said I'm a witness I'm a witness I've been hurt at church before you know why I've been hurt at church before because people at church and do you know them same people that go to church also go to work and so that's why you can get hurt at work because church people go to work so stop magnifying church hurt like it's some anomaly some special thing yeah it happens but hurt happens in other places too and if you can get healing for those hurts I'm pushing here hard today I'm pushing you to get healed from your church hurt what I want to tell you is having you been hurt long enough do you want to have been hurt he looks they look at this man and they tell him look on us I mean today we want to help you get out of where you've been hurt today we want to help you from where you've been lame they say look on us we're not about to hide here and act like we haven't had an experience with Jesus verse 5 and he gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them they trigger his faith and his expectation and now this man got the key thing that brings you over to the things of God tell somebody say expectation anytime you start expecting to receive something that's when you're going to start receive something people many times don't get anything from church anything from God because they come in here without expectation the praise and worship them pumped and primed you and all they've been trying to do is give you expectation but the moment you come in here with expectation God can meet you where your expectation is come on somebody you ought to have premeditated worship and premeditated praise and by the time you get to church you ought to be on fire 
see y'all can tell that if I wasn't saved I'll be a riot and a half and that's just how I was when I wasn't saved y'all was quiet when I went to parties I turned the party upside down when I went to the party when I went to the party I showed up I don't get dressed put me come on somebody the party started before I left the house come on somebody have my stereo booming y'all ain't got your have my stereo booming getting ready man checking myself out looking in the mirror backing up a few times come on somebody making sure I was right and when I stepped in that place I walked in that place ready to party I don't know what's wrong with y'all church folk y'all get up on Sunday morning and act like God ain't done nothing for you you come in here with no expectation come in here with no praise even the sinners are better than some of the church folk at least they prepare they be hyped up Come on, ladies, you had that hell slinging. You have yourself right. Come on, somebody. But when we come to the household of God, we come all lazy. You know you can do better. If you can do better, do better. Some people just act like they can't do better. They just roll over and say, I'm going to church. No, come in here with some fire and some expectation. Come on. You went to the football game and lost your voice, but you came to the church house and we can't even get you to raise your hand. And they want to talk about, I'm quiet. I don't praise. You ain't quiet. I saw you at the FAMU game when they was running that thing back for a touchdown. I said, is that John? He was quiet last Sunday. No, you got energy. No, you got excitement. Talk about I'm just quiet. I'm just quiet. No, no, you need to get your expectation right. You need to start worrying about what your neighbor looking like. Come on, y'all. Matter of fact, I don't even like to go to no games or nothing with quiet people. I want to hang with the rowdy crew. Only time I want to be quiet is when I'm in the library. And I had problems being quiet when I was in there too. Come on, when I go to a football game, when I go somewhere to celebrate, put me with somebody who know how to celebrate. Put me with somebody that know how to make some noise. If you one of the ones that know how to make some noise, make some noise up in here. Oh, I think I got the right church up in here. I think I got the right one. Come on, make some noise. That's my friend right there. (laughs) Tell somebody, I want to be around some people who got expectation. Look at verse 6. Then Peter said, listen, this is the change here. Peter said, silver and gold have I none. The man was expecting, but he was expecting money. He said, no, this ain't, what you're dealing with goes beyond money. What you're dealing with, I can pay your rent today. But you're going to be back in this situation in three months. Because monetary substance ain't going to take care of spiritual need. And sometimes we are asking God for money when we need deliverance. Sometimes we're asking God for money when we need healing. And I'm telling you, one of the greatest things you real right now is a healed soul. I feel like preaching. You need a healed mind right now. And a healed mind is worth a whole lot of money in the bank. I don't know about you, there are people who took pills. They had money in the bank, but no peace in their heart. They had money in the bank, just went to Alaska, just went to Greece, but they committed suicide because they had no joy in their heart. I don't know about you, but even if I don't have money, tell somebody, if I don't, yeah. 
Give me joy. They, they said, we're going to give you something beyond. You heard me? I said, if I don't. Come on, we ain't getting saved to take no oath of poverty. That the devil is a lie. Come on, we ain't, we ain't saved, you know, not me. They say, I got to get out of here. Uh, the chick is in the, cop, the, the crock pot. I got to go. It's almost done. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. We don't have what you're accustomed to. People be walking by you, pacifying your life. He said, but at the day, we're going to take the pacifier out your mouth. Now, I know this is a transition. Because if you ever took the baby's pacifier out their mouth, when they wasn't ready yet, you got a fit on your hands. Oh, that baby going, that baby going to cry. That baby going to holler. And that baby going to tell you, I can't have peace unless I have my pacifier. And if you a sensitive mother or pa father and, and, and you get really emotional, really emotional, when your child cry, they fine. But you get emotional when they cry and they fine. Their belly is full. But they crying. They're using crying as a manipulative tool to make you give in. You ain't going to ever get that baby to get rid of that pacifier. It be five years old still chewing on a pacifier. Down Walmart aisle still chewing on. Sometimes you got to know how to pull that pacifier out of that baby's mouth and let them know you can have peace without this. You can have joy without this. You can hold up your head without this. And there are times in our life where God's about to give, take something from us, but he's about to give something to us. And this is what happens to this man. He says, I'm ready to receive. They said, but we ain't got no money. Today we're about to give you something that makes you live. We're about to give you something that gives you joy in sorrow. We're about to give you something that'll be your hope for tomorrow now here it is but such as I have give I unto thee tell your neighbor say I got Jesus look at your neighbor say anybody got Jesus tell them say I got Jesus tell your neighbor say anybody got Jesus I got Jesus I don't know if you got him on a Monday I don't know if you got him on a Tuesday but tell your neighbor say I got Jesus anybody got Jesus <laughs> yeah he says they says such as I have such as I have just when I have Jesus this is the crux of the story here that these disciples start telling this man I'm finishing here that we are the living proof that Jesus has been resurrected they say such as I have my life is the demonstration my life my witness is the demonstration that Christ has come into your, my life he says in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up from the rise up and walk look at verse 7 and he took him by the right hand lifted him up and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength they reached out their hand they lifted up this man out of his situation and immediately from their hands strength went to his weaker parts of his body see when we see lame people the tragedy is we think they're weak everywhere but he was only weak in his feet and his ankles what it means is he was lame and brilliant he was lame and intelligent it means he was lame and creative 
it means he was lame but powerful because the only thing that Christ have to strengthen in this text is his ankle and his feet because the only thing that kept him from moving is not that he didn't have a mind he didn't have strength in his ankles and in his feet but when they prayed for him he received strength and he leaping up stood walked and entered with them into the temple oh walking and leaping and praising god this is what's happening on resurrection some of y'all are no longer going to be sitting at the gate some of you are now going to walk in the temple because walking in the temple is a demonstration that the resurrected christ has resurrected you and now you can go into the temple leaping and walking and praising god i believe this is where christ wants us to be in 2023 we all know that Jesus has been resurrected, but what people really need to see is demonstrations of the resurrection. When you go to work, they need to see proof. They can't see no proof when you cussing for God. Y'all know I preach it like I preach it. Y'all know. You, 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 you just, they just can't see no proof. They just can't see no proof when you're involved in all the office gossip. They can't see no proof. What the world needs is proof that Jesus is alive. They need proof. And when they meet you, you ought to be the proof. Paul, Peter, excuse me, and Peter here, Peter and John becomes the living proof that Jesus was resurrected. All the people saw him walking and praising God. Verse 10, and I'm done with praying. And they knew it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful at the at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled with wonder and amazement at which had happened unto them i want to stand and i want to pray for somebody today i want you to know that you are the living proof of the resurrection Peter and john begin to be a clear a clear example a clear example that the power of resurrection is supposed to live in us. Peter and John proves the heart of Christ. And sooner or later, the church got to start saying, look on us. The church has been given a mandate that no other entity in the world can solve. Not only can we do food pantries and outreach and clothe the naked, but we can cast the devil out of that person where the enemy has bound them we can introduce them to Jesus not only can we do physical things outreach counseling services all those things are important and is a part of what we should do and we, can, we do as believers but we have a spiritual priesthood that we have been brought into you and I have been brought into being extensions of Christ Jesus you and I have been brought into a place where Christ wants us to be living witnesses. Living witnesses. Will you lift your hands? I'm praying today. 90% of you in here already know that Jesus got up and we celebrate the resurrection. But there's another resurrection that has to happen in you. This is what the resurrection was all about. Because Jesus was dying and going back to heaven. And he died and he went back to heaven. But he left his disciples here to take over and rule in the earth. That same mandate is on our hearts today. If you would lift your hands, I want you to begin to say, Lord, look on me. 
Meaning that God can start depending on you for who you are. You ain't got to be Pastor Joe, but you sure have to be Susie. You don't have to be Prophet Pace, but you sure have to be Angela. Be who you're called to be and be a living witness in this earth. There are people in this earth suffering because somebody won't bring them the light of the gospel. There's even somebody here today, you came to church out of routine and you came to church because it's Resurrection Sunday, but today you are just like the lame man. You were born in sin, born in iniquity. And I'll be wrong to just celebrate and not introduce you to my Savior and my King. I'll be wrong to celebrate his resurrection and not give you an extension. Just like the Peter and John did. They said, look on us. They reached out this hand to this man. If you a person that got a testimony, I want you to begin to worship right now. If you got a testimony, if you know God has rescued you, helped you, delivered you, I want you to begin to worship. If you a person that has been redeemed, you have been cleansed and purified, if you a person that understands that if it had not been for God on your side, I want you to, you to begin to worship. I want you to begin to say, yeah. I got something to give. No, I got because he has given me something, I got something to give. I am living proof. I am living proof. No, I'm living proof of the resurrection. Peter and John began to walk in being living proof. Peter began to preach the gospel right here that he was born, he was buried, he was resurrected. And I want you to understand that God put you on that job because you are living proof. God put you in that opportunity because you are living proof. God blessed you with that business because you are living proof. God pulled you out because you are living proof of the resurrection. God bless you. If that blessed your soul, we will love for you at your next opportunity to join us in worship every Sunday morning in Monticello, the Victorious Church at 8 a.m. or our Dream Center location here in Tallahassee at 10 a.m. We would love to have you and your family and we can't wait for you to join us at any of our locations. This is Pastor Joseph Davis. God bless you and join us again.